Restaurants Unstoppable, episode 274. And really the easiest and, and best place to start um, extending your hospitality is towards your staff members and t- towards your fellow employees. Because really, a, you know, a positive environment breeds positive um, interactions. And uh, uh, the opposite is true if, you know, if you're spewing out negativity. Um, so I think that was like, really the first time that I recognized like, the, the power of creating good vibes in a restaurant can really go a long way. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Menuvative by iMenuTech has been the pioneer of cloud-to-tablet menu publishing for over five years. By using Menuvative, you'll reduce your costs, increase guest spending, and provide a better guest experience by being more informative. Find the banner in the show notes or head over to iMenuTech.com to learn more. Again, that's iMenuTech.com. One more time, iMenuTech.com. Are you short on time when it comes to training your restaurant staff? Well, if you are, don't worry. I'm sure you're not alone. But there is light at the end of the tunnel. You can find that light by visiting Tipsy for a whole library of video courses delivered by world barista champions, leading sommeliers, marketing gurus, and customer service superstars. Learn more by clicking the Tipsy banner in the show notes. If you choose to subscribe today, you'll get a special 50% discount because your restaurant unstoppable listeners get on it with excitement. Allow me to introduce to you today's <laughs> guest, Ted Hawkins. Ted, tell me you're feeling unstoppable today. No doubt. No doubt. Of course yes, brother. That's what we're talking about. So Ted Hawkins got his start in hospitality, working summers in various restaurants on Waikiki Beach, Hawaii. Soon after graduating Boston University School of Hospitality Administration, Ted was hired at Chef Barbara Lynch's uh, Menton restaurant as a kitchen server and quickly moved to a front server role. Over the next four years, Ted climbed the ranks within the Barbara Lynch Grupo to serve as assistant general manager at Lynch's number nine park today. Ted serves SRV, a Coda group restaurant as the general manager and wine director. And uh, this is just an, an aerial view of who you are, Ted, how you got to where you are today. I can't wait to really make an example of you and your intentionality and just how you, you just did it right, man. I can't wait to, to dive into your head, but before we do that, uh, let's get that motivational inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra. What do you have for us? Yeah, I, um, I thought long and hard about this and it always comes back to something that, uh, I heard really early in my career as, as an upside of me. And I'm sure a very smart person, uh, back in the day said this, but, uh, the long and short of it is take the work seriously, but don't take yourself too seriously. Mm. Um, I think it's uh, important in any, role, whether you be in a restaurant or, or, uh, any other business, um, to, you know, really take your ego out of it in many ways. And, uh, and there's no job too small, um, to get the job done. And I think that's the, uh, it's kind of been my way of doing it since I started. And, and even in, uh, like when I played sports in high school, that was the way I, I, I felt too. So, 
um, yeah, take the job seriously, but don't take yourself too seriously. Dude, this is going to be a good one. I love that quote. I really do. Uh, and I, we're going to be focusing on today. I get really excited when I get to talk to front of house people because I, I see myself as a front of house person. I love just making people's days. And that's kind of what I got from you uh, interviewing your partner, your, your uh, co-worker over at SRV Restaurant. Kevin O'Donnell was on the show uh, and he had amazing things to say about you. Uh, and I noticed those same exact things or I mean, what? When I was researching Kevin, I was looking at your profile on the website, and your profiles were right next to each other, and I was reading your profile, and the only thing I could think of, the word that was coming to my mind when I was reading your profile was how intentional you were, but at a very young age. How You mean you were 17, 18 years old when you made the decision, probably? I'm, I'm making assumptions at this point when you decided to go to school to study hospitality. Is that fair to say? Uh, yeah, actually, I went to uh, I actually went to BU undecided, and then after my first year, I switched into hospitality school. Okay. Um, but I had o- I had already worked um, in like food services prior to that, so I think I um, in going to BU. Uh, unfortunately, I was waitlisted, so I didn't really have like the pick of the litter in terms of schools to go to uh, within BU. So once I got off the waitlist, they were basically like, "Hey, you have to go to this school to start." And I knew I wasn't interested in the College of Arts and Sciences; like, I wasn't going to be a philosophy major or anything like that. Um, and then found uh, the School of Hospitality, kind of refounded. Actually, I, I, when I first applied, I recognized that they had that school, and I was like, "Oh, that would be a cool um, kind of situation to find myself in." Uh, but it wasn't until when I was really looking into majors at the end of my uh, my freshman year, kind of beginning my uh, second semester, that I, I re-realize that that would be a really good option for me. Mm. And uh, during the pre-interview chat, you were talking a lot about how when you were younger working in the beaches in Hawaii, uh, you knew then that you really liked it. Um, But did you have any idea at that time that you would be making your career out of this? Or maybe like, did you have like a, any interest at that time? Um, Yeah. I mean, for me, when I was working as a buster and a food runner, I loved getting sweaty, running around, the camaraderie of the restaurant. It reminded me of, of like playing sports when I was in high school. There's just a real, um, I like the performance aspect of it too. Like I always played music as, as a kid and uh, there was such a adrenaline rush incorporated with making money. And I loved the cash in hand and I loved just kind of uh, making money on my own. And uh, I also really loved the idea of arriving to things late. You know what I mean? Like everyone's having a barbecue and I get there at 10 and, you know, I got cash in my pocket. I'm feeling, like, pumped up, and I get there right for the, the good parts of the party. So I, I don't know. I just liked kind of the, uh, the, the go-go atmosphere of a restaurant. It really fit my personality. And then being able to talk to people. So I think even when I was just busing and, and uh, kind of learning, learning the ins and outs of service, I was still – maybe recognizing that this could be a future for myself. Yeah, that's awesome. And, uh, you know, during reading your profile, it says at one point you, you realized that you were in love with hospitality and that's when you decided to, you know, focus on, uh, that as a major, I mean, can you, can you reflect on a time Ted where the switch was hit? Um, and I mean, you, during the pre-interview chat, you were talking about how, you know, you were still a little unsure, but when did it you know, start to firm up. When did you know that this was going to be your career, that you loved it, that you're good at it and that, you know, there is real potential here for you. You know, I think when I went over to Montan, um, I was really, really bad at food running when I started, I had never worked in a, in like a, um, 
fine dining restaurant like that, uh, where there's so much knowledge base involved and, um, where you really had to be on point every single day, you're going to get tested and all that jazz. And so it was a huge learning curve. And I actually started at Montana about three months before I graduated. So I was only about a part-time food runner. I probably worked there three days a week. Um, and coming into such an, uh, incredibly professional environment, you know, it definitely took me a little while to get up to speed. Uh, now that I think back and I was like, oh, it's probably two weeks, but who knows? Maybe it was more like a month. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really put, focused on like the nitty gritty service, open-handed service. Um, timing of, of the restaurant was really interesting to me. I, I was the front of house expediter there for about a year. Um, so that was that whole kind of, um, bridging the gap between front and back of house was, was Which, really what kind of yeah go the, ahead. that ex, that expediter position is such an underplayed position in the industry. Like you, you got to be good to do that. Especially, I can only imagine a place like Montan where I mean the standards are so high. Like Barbara Lynch does not right. mess around. Like best re- restaurant tour of the year two thousand fifteen was it? Like yeah fourteen. Like she, I can only imagine the pressure that you were under in that position. Um, sorry to interrupt, but yeah, keep going. No, not at all. I mean, well, that was when I really got the spark for hospitality. And the craziest thing was it wasn't necessarily hospitality towards the guests at that point. It was okay. hospitality towards the rest of my staff. Awesome. And I recognized really early that, like, if if I can set a tone um, from this kind of pivotal point in the restaurant, both with the kitchen uh, in being um, organized and uh, professional – and also with the front of house and doing the same thing, kind of setting a really constant, consistent tone and being the same guy every day, that's going to translate to the floor. Mm-hmm. And I think that was the first time that I really recognized that um, hospitality is not only extended towards guests and really the easiest and, and best place to start um, extending your hospitality is towards your staff members and t- towards your fellow employees. Because really, a, you know, a positive environment breeds positive um, interactions and, uh, uh, the opposite is true if, you know, if you're spewing out negativity. Um, so I think that was like really the first time that I recognized like the, the power of creating good vibes in a restaurant can really go a long way. Oh man. That's um, awesome. but then to answer, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, that's awesome. I'm, I'm curious. Did you realize this on your own or were you by any chance reading Danny Meyer sitting at the table with in the hospital? Oh, definitely, definitely, definitely quoting Danny Meyer in a huge <laughs> way. Like, but Truthfully, I didn't read that book until afterwards, and I think that now, thinking back on like the the expediter role, it was so there was so much going on, and every day felt like you know you're climbing Mount Everest at times. Yeah. Um, but just keeping a level head and never like you know, um, and there was a certain times when I wasn't always the greatest at that. But recognizing um, that you know there's so much happening in that restaurant, and that so much went through that expediter. Um, and kind of taking pride in that. I think that was the first time that I really took pride in working in a restaurant too. Like, um, the feeling of a job well done at the end of the night was like so immense. Um, but yeah, I mean, definitely Danny Meyer being a, a, a you know, kind of benchmark in the industry. Mm-hmm. So you, you progress from the uh, kitchen server or uh, expediter food runner to a front of house role. What was that transition like? Uh, again, I mean, it was so moving to the front server role at Montan was uh, was a little bit of an easier transition. The main component that I had to really shore up on was the beverage side of things, okay. and really delving into uh, all mostly old world wine. That's uh, that's what the Barber Lynch Group is uh, focused on, and and Kat Fleury does an awesome job with all the wine programs there. She's the bomb, 
if you ever had a chance to meet her, talk to her, kind of pick her brain about wine, she's like the coolest lady in the biz. <laughs> awesome. um, but the uh, the transition to the front of role is actually pretty seamless because I was, um, you know, it's a lot of kind of uh, firing food and, and uh, again, a lot of timing aspects when it comes to that like level of fine dining. Um, and I was already used to that as the expediter. Um, but actually to answer your prior question about kind of like hospitality and, and, um, and as it pertains to towards guests, when I transitioned over to number nine, I was a brand new manager. I was about 24 at the time. I had a staff of, you know, really seasoned veterans around me, people who had worked there for, you know, six, seven years, um, and knew the job inside and out. And, uh, it was then that I really recognized that, okay, I need to be, good at something. I need to carve out my niche in this restaurant in some ways. Mm. And I knew it wasn't going to be in terms of being the best server on the floor that that was already taken. I couldn't be, um, I couldn't know the history of number nine more than anybody else because that was already taken as well. Um, so I recognized that really the niche that I could fill there was by garnering this connection. Okay. Um, and that was the first thing that I tried to do as soon as I hit the, the the ground running at number nine, and it was mostly out of necessity. Wait, I let's, to we got to like, slam on the Blake brakes real quick. Uh, what do you mean by yeah, yeah. garner like garnering these these connections? Like, really dive into what your niche is, uh, because this is huge. What you did, I, I think. First, explain that, and we'll kind of break it down after. Oh well, I mean, I, at least for me, I, I think that restaurants are a place for people to dine, obviously, but more so than that, it's a place to see and be seen. And one is just guest recognition, mm. saying hello, welcome back. That's like the, the most base level. Um, but even beyond that, you know, knowing about their personal life and, and also knowing when they don't want you to know about their personal life. I think that's also really important. Um, but I think one main aspect that really helps with guest connection is just bringing a really genuine excitement level to any interaction you're having, mm. whether it be an excitement about the product that you're serving, whether it be an excitement about um, their experience they just had in France or whatever it is, or, or sharing a little bit about your life. Um, I think at the end of the day, sometimes uh, restaurant professionals um, do a really great job at uh, kind of um, allowing guests into their life. And sometimes guests really like that, you know, um, and vice versa, kind of learning more about our guests as well. So how do you know uh, when th they're opening themselves up? Like, where do you draw the line? I mean, this really just goes into social and, and like emotional intelligence. But like, how do you know when to, you know, not cross the line or how to go deeper and really get to know someone? Well, it, it's, I mean, I don't, I, I, I hate to make it sound formulaic, you know, it's not. It's, it's not uh, any one way, any yeah. one time, you know, it's, it's, it changes every day, you know, whether it be asking, Oh, are you, is, is your first time here? Then the follow up question might be something to, to the effect of, do you live around here? Great. Like, and maybe, maybe they just say, yes, we do live around here. It's like, awesome. Wonderful. You enjoy your meal. I'm, I'm so happy that you're having a good time. And the other side of that is like, yeah, we live in Quincy. Like we come to the city all the time. If they give you that opening right there, that's, mm. I mean, they're letting you know, they, they want 
to talk. They want they want to know about you. They want you to know about them. They want to garner this relationship. Absolutely. And I mean, then just showing that you actually care when they do share things about you to take the time to remember to to follow up where you left off in the previous conversation. The next time to come in like that's so impactful. Uh, people really just glom on to that kind of attention. I mean, we could talk all day about that, but um, I'm curious. So when you started making uh, you, first, we got to talk about how important it is to, to know your strength to, to know your niche to, to stay in your lane is the term I like to use. One of the biggest lessons I learned here is knowing what you're good at, uh, finding that thing and staying in your lane and becoming the best at it. And I think that's exactly what you did. And you've continued. It sounds like to really uh, hone your craft. Um, would you say you've evolved even in the past? I don't know. You were 24. You're probably close to 30, six, seven years. Like how far has your craft come since you really honed in on it? Um, it's been a really amazing experience to transition from an AGM role, which is still so, um, uh, focused on the service aspect, the, the, the kind of nitty gritty and making sure that the right forks are down and the right, knives and i do love all those aspects mm-hmm. of restaurants i think that there's the minutia that people talk about is so important um and transitioning from that into a general manager role and really being the face of the restaurant in in some ways in terms of the front of house aspect um along with uh, our other servers and managers but really kind of spearheading that has been a huge step in my maturation mm-hmm. um and it didn't come without you know some uh fumbles along the way for sure um but the the recognition and kind of uh, excitement that like I could really make or break an experience or um, it's, it's been really fun to kind of grow into the general manager role, which is really more of a, it's that added layer on, on an experience, I think. Um, and then in addition to that, really kind of um, taking on the wine program at SRV has been a huge um, kind of next step for me as well in terms of my maturation and, and growth as a restaurant professional. Um, it was not never something that was my focus in the past. I mean, I always knew the wine list, um, but uh, now kind of both curating and then recommending bottles during service, I do that probably uh, 50% of my time on the floor is spent talking about wine and, and getting people excited about the bottles that we, uh, um, that we have on the list. Um, that's been another way for me to show hospitality and, again, get to know more about our guests through their wine preferences as well. Mm-hmm. So I want to rewind a little bit because I really want to break down. Um, when you moved over to Number Nine Park, were you a server there, or were or you were serving as the service manager? Yeah, I walked in right as a service manager. And so at that um, time, was that yeah, when, at that time when you took that role of service manager? Was this when you started to, to recognize your niche of being that person that is all about just knowing, you know? just, uh, I guess, tending to those relationships and developing these, these guest relationships, or did that evolve before? I would say that that was, uh, when I stepped into number nine and took on that role, I went from having, so the, the big difference I'd say when you go from a, um, like server position into a management position is that the server positions and the, the same thing goes for a bus or expediter or whatever it might be. You have very, um, finite, tasks that you have to handle right mm-hmm. all throughout the night mm-hmm. you're just checking things off your checklist whereas managers yes you have a task and and whether it be pulling wine from the wine room or whatever it is um there are certain things that only you can do um but on the other side of that you have uh the ability to really pick and choose your your battles and, mm-hmm. and pick and choose um uh where you want to be putting your time in mm-hmm. um and so 
that can change on a night if you're short staff. Maybe you're doing a little bit more serving than you'd like to. If you're short staff as a food runner, maybe you're running more food, which is another great way to really get involved in tables. Mm-hmm. Um, but I recognized really early that like my focus could be best used um, in these times, especially since I was a young manager who maybe didn't have as good of a grasp on the wine list as I needed to in terms of doing table visits and really um, immersing myself into an experience and thinking creatively about hospitality and, you know, maybe poking fun at the guests who made an offhanded comment about um, one of our drinks and then doing like a flight of different drinks that are all variations of that and kind of taking the time to add that extra layer onto um, an experience. Oh, that's awesome. I mean, what I'm trying to get at here, it seems like your career really started to accelerate and grow when you found your it factor, when you found that thing that you do better than anybody else. And then you, you captured that quality about yourself. And then you started sharpening the edge. You started just getting better and you became a person of value. And I feel like so often, uh, people like, they, they don't ever really find what they are, what their role is, what lane they belong in. But when they, when they do find find it like what you did, you, you, you just never stopped growing. Um, and I feel like just becoming a, a person of value, uh, is just one thing that it, we all can do no matter what lane that, that is. Uh, and I think that's just a beautiful thing that you did in your career. And I just really want to put stress on that for the listeners. Like, have you found that, that ability and are, are you sharpening the edge on that ability? Uh, do you want to reflect on that? Yeah. I mean, I, I, for me, I mean, obviously, this whole conversation is a little awkward, right? It's like I'm talking about <laughs> myself. I, I, I'm not. This, I'm not used to this, you know. Um, so forgive me for feeling a little bit discombobulated. But I the uh, the truth of the matter is, I think that my biggest strength is in um, consistency and a consistent voice behind the scenes as well um, to allow our team members here, whether it be front and back of house, um, to do their jobs at a really high level. Um, and I think that there's there that is really where my niche is at and being someone that people would like to work for and work with. And at the end of the day, like a lot of times your restaurant um, family, if you will, or the team that you have at your restaurant, you see them more than anybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, and so aligning yourself with people that you want to be around for eight to 10 hours a day. Um, well, that's a, <laughs> that's, that's, that's a big part of taking jobs, you know, and yeah, keeping jobs. Absolutely. Um, and so, I mean, I hate to say that that is one of my um, uh, kind of stronger attributes, but I think being somebody who's creating the right environment to do um, professional but also fun work um, is uh, is probably one of my bigger, um, uh, you know, positive uh, attributes. Awesome. Let's let's segue into this and talk about your current role now as general manager at SRV Restaurant. And uh, before we really dive into these qualities that you think you excel at, which I, from what I can tell, I agree. Uh, let's talk about what Kevin O'Donnell had to say about you during a very recent interview. I mean, he's he when I asked him like, what is it about your restaurant that you think you know you do really well that sets you apart from other restaurants? He said, you know, we have Ted in the front of the house who is he just makes people feel so welcome we call him the hype man he's like flavor flav uh he's amazing at motivating <laughs> staff investing in the staff members and creating lasting guest experiences so yeah um you're not the only person that thinks that these are your strengths uh, apparently everybody recognizes <laughs> it in you so let's let's dive into that how do you consistently get behind your team to create a place where they can excel like what is the secret behind that well you know i think 
it starts somewhat with the benefit of the doubt, you know. I, I, I really like to think that people are inherently good and that um, mistakes when they're made are, are made never out of malice, you know. Um, I think just going into service and going into any work environment um, with that uh, a perspective is really important. Obviously not uh, over the top so because, you know, at the end of the day, unfortunately there are um, situations and people that are uh, unsavory. Uh, but that being said, it's like um, heading into every day and really knowing what makes each staff member tick, I think is important too. Maybe this person is uh, really into wine and, and more specifically really into white wine or Riesling and getting them involved in that in some way. Uh, maybe this staff member just really loves sports and they just love five minutes out of every day just to, to talk sports. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm really into sports too. And there's unfortunately not a ton of people in the restaurant industry that love sports um, that I've met so far. Uh, but um just recognizing what each one of your staff members um, is into, um, whether it be professionally or personally, and keeping them engaged in the restaurant, um, but also in those other uh, areas as well. Um, I think just knowing your staff is really important mm-hmm. and, um, and making sure that they feel valued and heard. And I think that's the, the big thing, um, is, is just uh, giving everyone a voice and, and not to say that everyone can change all the rules at a drop of a hat, um, but sometimes people just want to be heard. And it's the same thing on the floor too. If someone's not having a good time. It doesn't always mean that they want you to send them, you know, white truffle risotto and like a, open a brand new bottle of wine, which some people do. Um, but it sometimes just means that they want to be listened to. They just want to be heard and they just want to feel like their opinion is being valued, which it is. Um, and I think that that's a, that's a really key component for us as well. And lastly, I think um, being humble enough to admit your own shortcomings mm-hmm. and admit when you've made mistakes. Because I, I've, I've had managers in the past, and, and um, I think we've all had managers in the past, right, who uh, maybe like to point the finger or um, uh, will knowingly continue on with a bad system because they made the system and they just they figure – like I kind of have to stick with it at this point. Um, but being humble enough and nimble enough to admit when you've maybe made a wrong decision, say it publicly, that goes a long way with your staff. I think one of the biggest steps I've ever taken with the staff was when I admitted, and I don't even remember what it was, but I admitted to the whole staff that I had failed in this one way. Ooh. And everyone really like recognized that as Which a leader. We're going to dive into in a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait to get that failure, but sorry, keep going. Yeah. Um, and I just think that having that like humble human nature about you is is uh, is one of the best ways to be a leader. Oh, like yeah. not not pro- trying to prove to anybody that you're the smartest person in the room, and um, instead trying to surround your, yourself with people who are smarter than you. And, yeah. and I know that that's something that a lot of people talk about, but it's true. I mean, it's uh, um, it's it. For me, it's the secret to any success in any business, right? It's, it doesn't start with one person. It's about one person finding a bunch of awesome people who are going to just keep pushing it forward. Yeah, absolutely. And to kind of really connect what you just said about it's about finding people who are smarter than you and being humble and, and recognizing that they have strengths that are better than your own personal strengths in a certain area. Uh, when you do what you 
advised us to do to, to really care and to take an interest in your staff and to, to value them and hear them and pay attention to them and learn them, well, guess what? You're going to start to learn about all these skills, these talents that they have and how right. they can be applied to serve your team, your restaurant. And when you don't take the time to, to pull the best out of people, you're doing yourself a just a justice. You're doing your team a just justice. And there's so much that can come from just taking the time to have impactful, meaningful relationships with your people. Do you want to reflect on that? Yeah, I mean, you, you hit the nail right on the head, right? It's like you get you get all these really amazingly smart people together, and you would be doing yourself and the restaurant a disservice to not utilize them, mm. right? Like, you, if you um, put together this awesome team of great servers and busters with all this experience, and then you hamper all of that creativity by saying my way or the highway, you're you're basically why did you even go out and try and find all these people in the first place, right? Um, it's just. Uh, for me, the and experience doesn't just come with years too. Like there can be insights that come from our newest staff member who's super green to the industry and maybe they have a fresh set of eyes on things. I want to listen to that too, mm. you know, because um, just because it's been done this way for a decade doesn't mean it's the right way to do it. Absolutely, um, and, and I, I think just go ahead. Go ahead. No, I just, no, no. I, I just think <laughs> the recognition of that's important. Yeah, uh, absolutely. No, I was going to say uh, just to tie on to what you said about being open and willing to listen to new people coming into your onto your team. I just wrapped up my a mastermind, a restaurant mastermind with uh, five people, and uh, we, we we wrapped up the six month commitment. And one of the the folks that was a part of that mastermind said that when she first started, because she she had her restaurant open for a few years, she had been doing it for a while, and a lot of the other people in the mastermind were in that like weird funky like just about the open phase where they're just like in that heavy research and development phase where they're just learning like crazy and she said that that originally like she was like oh these people aren't going to be at the same level as i am like i have all this experience but what she ended up saying is that was having these people who are learning all these new things because the industry is evolving so fast that she learned about stuff resources tools that she had never known about because she was consumed being inside of her restaurant so just to kind of put emphasis on, emphasis on yeah listen to the young the the early people who are coming out because you never know what else is out there and like the there isn't just one way to do things that was long-winded. I apologize. <laughs> no, not at all. That was perfect. It gave me time to drink some water. Um, and <laughs> and no, I mean, I couldn't agree with you more. It, it just And again, I can't stress it enough is that even though I'm totally, I, I completely wholeheartedly believe in like collaborative um, uh, hospitality, uh, both on the floor and uh, behind the scenes in terms of listening to opinions. And um, even when I'm on the floor, like just, kind of bouncing it off the servers because at the end of the day, like the servers have a, probably a more um, in-depth uh, picture of what the guests might need at mm-hmm. that point. You know, whether we want to send them a little something extra and maybe they said, maybe they're picking between two items. Um, and like, I don't have that information until I talk to the server, you know? And I think making sure that we're being as collaborative as possible and creative as possible about what's really going to make every single guest feel special at SRV. Um, and that's really kind of, 
that's my focus on the floor every yeah. day. And just to you know, put the nail in the coffin with a sledgehammer on this topic before we move on, uh, just to kind of play off of what you said of making people feel valued is how you grow those relationships. And what better way is there to make people feel valued and appreciated if you find out what it is that makes them special, what makes them, what their strengths are, where they where they glow, where they shine, and then give them an, an, an avenue to let that special ability just run wild. Like what better way is there to value somebody than that? I don't, I can't think of a better way to show your appreciation. I mean, I think about it like a sports team and I, I hate to keep going back to sports and I do it too much in my restaurant too. And I apologize, but um, all good coaches, right. They do the same thing with their team. They find what they're like, each one of their players is good at, and they put together these teams. Um, I like to think about it in terms of basketball, right, because you have like, maybe a 15-man roster or 15-woman roster as well, um, and you uh, you play five people at a time, right? So you think to yourself, like, I need, need more rebounding. I need more scoring. And you put people together that are going to kind of complement each other correctly. Mm-hmm. And um, sometimes that's the most fun that I have in my day is just putting together the floor map and, and where the servers are going to be that evening, you know, who's going to um, help each other and, and how it's all going to work. Um, I love kind of the, the behind the scenes aspect of, of knowing like which personalities blend well together and maybe which guests are really going to meld with certain servers oh, and awesome. um, that type of, of, uh, of pre-service stuff is fascinating. Oh, it's man. so fun to think about. I love it, man. I really do. And one other thing I really want to talk to you about before we move into that failure is um, your your ability to motivate staff. So I'm curious, Ted, what, what does your pre-shift like a uh, briefing look like how do you get people to that level of just excitement and willingness to serve in to to like what does that look like how do you do it well it's funny the um my my staff uh they have a well a few of them have a uh, a joke it's like a robo ted right like um <laughs> like like I'm just bringing like this really frenetic, crazy energy, even to set up, you know? Um, and I try and change it up. Like some days it's a little more focused and other days it's a little more playful. Um, I think for me, it's just, um, keeping a feeling of consistency whilst also changing things up. I don't know if that makes any sense, but, uh, I think in the restaurant industry in general, because you never know what a night's going to bring and, and every day is different. Um, servers and bartenders and busters and everything, you really grab on to, um, consistency and routine. Um, I think just like anybody else does, but I think even more so, uh, I remember back in the day, I, I implemented a rule at number nine park where they needed to put down ris- um, spoons with risotto. And that was the like toughest thing to implement because people had been putting no spoons with risotto for years. It was like six years. And we had meetings upon meetings about like whether or not spoons are going to be a good decision with risotto, you know, like something as nitty gritty as that. Um, but it was hard. It was hard for them to change that. Um, and I think that's just because the routine of the job is, is um, you got to really grasp onto it when you find it because um, otherwise, uh, you know, you can get taken with the kind of um, informality of, of an evening. Um, but that being said, I think that um, just being a consistent person every day, being the same guy every day, having the same benefit of that for your staff is inspiring. And, and sometimes I'll, you know, say, some words that are inspiring or try and pump people up about uh, whether it be Valentine's day, new year's Eve, but also about like a sleepy Monday. You know, I think we've been really harping on the fact that like, you know, maybe Monday is not as crazy as our Saturday, but that's when you have 
so much time to like really delve into your guests and really um, put like some awesome touches onto an experience that'll make people want to come back on a Monday, not just for the food, but also to see you and kind of um, inspiring people on different days, whether it be, Hey guys, we really got to be on it today and turntables. And like, we got 3 million people coming into the door and that's exciting in its own way, but also inspiring people to, you know, really crush it on our slower nights too. Mm. I love it, man. Uh, and so what I'm hearing from you is stay consistent with the things like culture, energy and expectations in just what y- y- what's expected, I guess, like the standards of, of who, who you are and w- what people expect of you. Get a little bit more clear on me on what you mean by switch it up. So stay in consistency while switching it up. What type of things are you switching up? Just the tone. Uh, I'm, I'm consistent in who I am and I'm consistent in the values of the restaurant. Um, but I think that if you come in every day and say like, um, and, and sure, I do, I do have a saying that like, it's going to be the best service we've ever had, right? Every day is a Super Bowl. This is the best service we've ever had. And I try, I do try and kind of instill that into everybody. And I, I know at times it can fall a little bit as, as white noise, like, oh, there's Ted, Robo Ted again. But I think that the, if it's not there, they recognize that it's not there. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Like yeah. if, if it's not the best day ever, then, then, oh wait, maybe it's not going to be the best day ever. Um, so keeping that consistent while, whilst also changing it up in terms of the education that we're going to do that day. Uh, okay. Maybe we do, a, maybe we do like a silly relay race instead of uh, tasting wine. Maybe I have like all these crazy wines that I want to figure out and maybe we're going by the glass and I'll just open up six bottles for us to taste. Um, and trying to change up, uh, our, um, educational portion whilst also changing up, you know, how we're going to inspire our staff that day mm-hmm. and also being in tune. Like maybe, we've fallen on hard times and everyone's working six days and the staff just really needs to do something silly to like get them in the right mindset for uh, in the right mindset for service. Um, and just knowing and picking and choosing your times. I think that's a, a huge thing as a manager is feeling kind of the energy and the vibes of the staff and then recognizing what they need to get in the right mindset to do um, a busy service. Maybe we're down a server um, on a busy Saturday and we need people to be pumped up moving faster than they've ever moved. Um, and we do something like, as I said, like a crazy relay race for, for, um, the educational portion of family meal. Um, but I think just recognizing, uh, as I said, the, the vibes that are going on in the restaurant and trying to sway them in the right direction. Yeah. So what I'm hearing from you when you say switch it up is keeping things fresh, keeping people engaged by, giving them new material, teaching them new things and using different channels to uh, connect with them and to uh, inspire them. Is that fair to say? Right. Beautiful. Yeah. Awesome. Let's dive into this humbling failure that you had. I can't wait to hear uh, what happened and how that actually ended up serving you. So go ahead, take it. You know, I, I, I had some trouble with this one cause I've had a, a, you know, I've had many shortcomings and failures throughout my, uh, uh, short-lived career thus far. Um, but I'm trying to think of one that is like the most pivotal. I, I think um, when when we were opening the restaurant, um, we had some delays. Um, it was just uh, issues with permitting and whatnot. And um, we uh, we had a staff ready to go, you know, and um, and a lot of people were in between jobs, and it was definitely a tougher time, you know, like ten people. Like, we definitely want you to stay with us. Like, we don't know exactly when we're going to open. We went through, like, numerous trainings and whatnot over a longer period than we wanted to. Um, 
and uh, a week went by, a pivotal week went by where um, I wasn't as communicative with the staff as I needed to be about where we were in terms of our permitting. Um, and, uh, and I didn't go the extra mile to reach out to each and every one of them directly via the phone and kind of like touch base with them. Um, and that was, uh, that was a big failure on my, my part because at that point they needed to hear my voice and hear, um, you know, my own frustration with the fact that we weren't open at that time. And instead I, I, I failed to reach out to them in that way. And I think that was one of the biggest failures and ended up on the other side of that being a big win for us because when we recognized that I actually took one of our staff members being like, Hey, like we kind of need to hear from you and, uh, and recognizing like, like, okay, how are we going to turn this in a positive, in a positive way? And, uh, having them all in and individually meeting them at the restaurant, take the time to hear kind of how they're doing, um, in this kind of like in between stage before us opening. And it really opened up the conversation, I think set the right tone, um, for the management team at SRV as being, um, well, empathetic, obviously, but also just, uh, collaborative and, uh, and putting our staff first. Um, and I think, that was a, a big uh, misstep that turned into a big win for us. Awesome. I have nothing to add to that. You said it beautifully. Uh, we're going to take a quick break to thank our sponsor. We'll be right back. Now, let me ask you a question. Are you actually selling food and beverage or are you just taking orders from a menu that says, here's what we have and here's what it costs? Blah. Modern consumers are addicted to smart devices and visual media is the best way to engage them with information. That is why more restaurants today are replacing their paper menus with Menuvative by iMenuTech. It's simple. Menuvative replaces your paper menus with tablets. This provides more room for photography, descriptive language, and wine pairings. Suggestive selling is now an inherent part of the modern menu experience. In my opinion, here's the best part. Menuvative preserves the integrity of the classic dining experience because it's not a kiosk and it does not replace the impactful service experience. What it does do is reduce costs, increase sales, improve more marketing and provide a better guest experience by being more informative to learn more head over to imenutech.com again that's imenutech.com when you're running a busy restaurant it's pretty hard to find time for training well tipsy has a whole library of video courses from industry experts including world barista champions marketing gurus and customer service superstars get your staff watching tipsy courses and watch their growth help your business with tipsy scheduling training tracking skills growth and measuring engagement is a piece of cake in the hospitality industry, we never have enough time, so training often falls away. But as management legend Andy Grove says, the only two ways to improve performance are training and motivation. Tipsy provides both. Click the Tipsy banner in the show notes to find out more. Because your Restaurant Unstoppable listeners, you'll receive a special 50% off your first month. What are you waiting for? Get on it. We're back. And the first question I have for you, Ted, is what is your it factor? One trait, habit, characteristic you believe most contributes to your success? Uh, I'd say consistency um, and consistency in, in making people feel comfortable in my presence. At times, it's tough to articulate, but I, I just, I've heard from people that that's probably my, my best 
attributed just uh, consistently across the board, whether it be guests or staff members, just um, uh, putting people at ease um, whilst they're they're around me. And I think that um, well, that comes with me just enjoying people's company and genuinely. Um, I, I always have as a kid, like I. I, I wasn't very good at uh, reading or writing or math even. I just, I, I had a lot of like learning disabilities as a child, but I always loved interacting with people. And I always loved when we did like team exercises. Um, and I, I, I've always been kind of like the guy who was, you know, I was never the best at sports, but I was always on the team. And I think it was partially due to the fact that I just, you know, I, I, I brought the camaraderie. Um, and I think that that was, that's probably my, uh, my, my it factor, I guess you'd say. Love it, man. It's all very opposite, but I love it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Uh, what is your biggest weakness? Um, organization. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, uh, it, I think a lot of uh, restaurant people at times can, can deal with that just because it's, uh, yeah, I'm getting better. Google Calendar is getting to be my friend, I promise. <laughs> um, but uh, I went through a bad phase where I didn't write anything down. That was also a bad thing. Um, but I'm getting better at it and I'm really, really lucky. I have, I have awesome, uh, service manager and event manager, Carrie and Alex, and they are super organized. So they, uh, that, that like to talk about what we, what we spoke about earlier. It's like they recognize the organization is a problem for me at times and, uh, they help me out awesome. um, and check me when I need to be. So it's, it's, uh, it's good. I'm curious. Are you, what, what are you using any other tools to write things down? Or are you just using pen and paper? Yeah, I mean, I try to keep a notebook, and then I try to. What I've been doing recently is just putting everything in my in my Google Calendar, which I know sounds like like a no brainer for people who are um, uh, not working in a restaurant. But for me, like I, for the longest time, I just like remembered in my mind like what my itinerary was that day. But I oh, mean, man, now with my so, new role, and <laughs> that's yeah, such it, an extra burden. So many things that you can just exactly. take off your shoulders. Uh, and commit to, like you said, the calendar, like, uh, I, I got to the point personally where I don't know what my day looks like until like the night before or that morning I wake up and I'm like, what am I doing today? <laughs> like, because I've just, right. it, it's just such a relief just to be able to, you know, lean on that, that structure. Uh, and I've got to recommend it to you if you haven't heard of it, if you don't use it, Evernote, it was another tool for me. Cause I'm just like you, man. I'm, I had to learn organizational skills at a later point in my life and Evernote it, just to be able to take those notes and to have it on me and to do keyword searches and find what my, you know, where I keep all these things written down. It was a huge help. Uh, yeah. Cool. Evernote, you said? Evernote. Yeah, it looks like a little golden elephant. Right. It's, you're going to love it if you pick it up. Um, so what is one piece yeah, of yeah. advice you have for leading others? Um, for leading others? Yes. Uh, probably this, what I said before, you know, um, just listening. Mm. Just listen. listening to your staff will go a long way. And whether that be about the systems, their own hardships in their life, their hardships at work, um, their successes at work. Um, just listening is, can go a huge long way. Um, uh, and really helping you not only retain staff, but, uh, make the restaurant better as well. Um, and then, and, and, and I think the other side of that is, is just being, being humble. And I know that that's two different things, but I, I, I really think it's important to be humble, um, and, uh, uh, honest about your own shortcomings because at the end of the day, if you do, if you are honest about your shortcomings and you are, um, 
empathetic towards your staff when you do put your foot down and you do make a like big policy change or, or something like that people will follow you oh, because yeah. they know that you mean business right like you, it's not white noise like the person who's yelling all the time like no one ends up listening to them after a while because it's just they they don't know what's important anymore mm-hmm. does that make sense absolutely so if you really try and pick and choose your times it's uh, uh that, that's what I think kind of shows as a leader as well. I love it, man. And uh, what is one question or thing you're looking for when hiring somebody on your team? I, I, I want to know what makes them tick. I want to know what they're looking for out of their kind of next gig or their next employment. Um, I want to know what excites them about the restaurant industry um, in general and about uh, service. Um, I, I, I I think as much information as we can get about uh, kind of who that person is, um, is important. And then all the other added, like, can we teach them wine and can we teach them service? Yeah, I mean, all that is, is teachable. But um, really learning about, like, who the person is and if they're inherently good, um, that, then I'm, I'm all for it. Awesome. I'm all for filling a team with good people. <laughs> I dig it, man. Uh, what is one current challenge you're experiencing and how are you dealing with it? Staffing. Um, staffing is a challenge in the city at large. Um, and that being said, we're actually in a better place than a lot of other restaurants are not to speak to where they are, but I feel like we're pretty comfortable. Um, but that being said, we could always use more staff members. Um, and just, I think what we're seeing right now in the restaurant industry in Boston is that um, positions like food runner um, and and even busers, right, that used to go to uh, kids who are in college or, or kids who are fresh in the industry, um, those same candidates now are being pushed into server roles. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what we're having, what we're seeing trouble with is finding people who are willing to stay in a food runner role and really cut their teeth you know, mm. um, because they can just go right down to the restaurant down the road and get a server gig, right, without any experience. Um, and that's just a, uh, it's, it's just because that's the way the, um, the market is right now. And I, I, I recognize that. And I think it's great, actually. I mean, in some ways, the, you know, it's great for that individual. Um, but I do worry a little bit that um, we might be uh, doing uh, our younger service industry employees a disservice is not as to not give them the tools they need to become really good servers or really good bartenders or managers down the line. Down the line. So I find that that's a challenge right now. So how are you? You said you're, you're you're faring better than other restaurants. What makes it that? Why do you think that is? Um, I think that uh, the team that we have is awesome. Mm-hmm. I, I I say that a lot, but I, I'm really proud of our team, and I think that they are a group of individuals who truly care about SRV and truly care about each other. Um, and so in that way, I think that we're, we're rich with staff. <laughs> um, and so I feel really, really good about that. Um, and, you know, we, we opened the restaurant in January, and we still have a good amount of key players that, from the opening team, which uh, for a lot of newer restaurants is not the case. Um, it's just kind of the nature of it, right? You, mm-hmm. you go through this big opening, and then the honeymoon phase kind of fades away. Um, but I'm happy, I'm super happy that we've been able to retain as much staff as we have from that opening team and kind of continue on with the culture and make sure that the new members of the staff that are coming in are um, uh, playing to the right level. 
awesome. And uh, what is one thing besides food your restaurant does really well that separates you from other restaurants? I think Kevin touched on this, but I, I think it, it is true. I think that we are really customizable and um, uh, valuable restaurant in terms of the experience that a guest is looking for. Like, if you want to come ball out, <laughs> like, have a birthday dinner with eight friends, have champagne, a magnum of Barolo, like, do a full tasting menu, all the bells and whistles, and, like, be there for three hours and just crush it amazing. We can execute that. We know how to do that really well. If you want to come in and have a really, really intimate anniversary dinner, um, and maybe just go wine by the glass, have really nice wines by the glass and we can do that too. And if you want to just come in and have some chiquetti and a beer, we can do that too. Um, I just think that, uh, we are both a like really great Saturday restaurant. We can also be a really great value on Mondays and Tuesdays. And, and, um, you can pop in and say what's up. And as I said, like our chiquetti menu is $4 or below for each one of the, of the items. So like, if you just want to come in and make a meal of some awesome meatballs and like mozzarella and carrozza, which is basically like a mozzarella stick, um, you can do that too. So being able to be a really like nice, um, casual fine dining restaurant and also be your neighborhood spot. Awesome, man. I dig that. Uh, and what is one book we must read to become a better person or restaurant owner? Well, setting the table is a no-brainer, right? Yeah. That's, like, too easy. <laughs> What's another one? That one's too easy. Huh. You know, I... Um, it doesn't have to be a restaurant think. book, either. It can be any book yeah. that will make you better as a person. Well, you know what? I, uh, I, pulled, I pulled a lot of different kind of like, um, uh, management, like leadership essays out of this business book that I got in, uh, in, uh, hospitality school. Um, I don't know. That's, that's probably a little bit too like nitty gritty. Um, I think that for me in terms of, uh, one single book, I really like reading about products. Um, I think that like finding your way into the, uh, like the wine Bible will just make you a better, um, restaurant, uh, professional in general, in general. Um, and you know, knowing about like the different, but what's crazy for me is that like now I just will focus on Italian wine. Um, but having a broader scope and the recognition of like Burgundy and, uh, of Bordeaux of the world is, is really important, um, for any wine professional. Oh, yeah. Um, so I'd say, Reading about products is is super important. Yeah, and I would say uh, the flavor bible is the back of house, as the wine bible is to front of house, and uh, that is such right. a Karen Page, and I can't remember the other part. That book of the, uh, is it, for anybody looking to learn about wine and just how to pair and to learn about just you know how to pair, like when to drink it, like how, it, it it breaks down. You'll learn so much from that that book alone. Great recommendation. Uh, and I also I also just read I also just read this awesome Judd Apatow book. Has nothing to do with restaurants. Um, it's called Sick in the Head, and it is about um, he basically brings together all of these interviews from um, uh, the past twenty years that he's done with different comedians. And I found it really interesting to draw parallels between um, kind of honing one's craft as a um, as a restaurant professional and honing one's craft as a stand-up comedian. They're very, very different competencies. Um, but in terms of the, there's 60 different ways to slice an orange kind of thing. Yeah. Um, it's a really, really cool book to, to kind of gain insight into um, many different, very, very successful comedians and how they got to be where they are. Um, and I, I 
drew some inspiration from there as well. And that was Sick in the Head by who? Yeah, Sick in the Head by Judd Apatow. You know the director? He does like all the um, like Knocked Up and all those movies. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, he's a really, really funny guy, and um, he just has all these, like, from Jerry Seinfeld to Chris Rock. Um, if you like stand-up comedy, it's, it's a great book, and there's definitely some parallels to be brought to honing well, in craft. Absolutely, so. and all I can think of, when you think of stand-up economy, or stand-up comedy, you're, the best comedians are connecting with the audience on a, an emotional and right. social, like, that's exactly what you're doing as a server or in the restaurant. So you're connecting with your guests on that, that emotional level. Uh, so I can totally see how there'd be some parallels there. That's really interesting. I'm going to have to check it out. Uh, and you can check out these books, head over to restaurant unstoppable.com slash two I'll have the links right there. Uh, and what is one piece of technology you've adopted, uh, in your restaurant and how is that really influencing your success? Um, I would say right now we're using reserve, um, as our reservation system. And, uh, I, I came from the open table. I came from the old school open table, which mm-hmm. is a slot method. And you get this big bulky kind of, um, uh, server and, um, open table is great. Don't get me wrong. Um, I really love it. The reserve has done an awesome job, um, to kind of, uh, raise the bar, um, in terms of customer service mm-hmm. and, uh, and, we, we, I mean, we can't live without it. It's, uh, it's not only our reservation system, it's also how we keep our notes on guests about their past experiences, about their likes and dislikes, about how many times they've been in. Um, and this is, and this is where you they, shine. This is like, you said that you're, you're going to be the guy, you're going to carve out your niche as being the guy who manages relationships. So this must be like your, you must love living in this resource, like using this resource. I really do. I really think that it's important for any restaurant and, and should be told, I mean, most restaurants utilize this type of system, whether it's through open table or through reserve, this type of like notes keeping. Um, and it's, I mean, it is the, the way of the future. What I love is, is to look back at old, older restaurants and, and kind of pick their minds about how they used to do reservations and how they used to keep notes too, mm-hmm. because a lot of places, used to have these filing cabinets for their guests, you know, like fine dining restaurants in the seventies and sixties and whatnot. Um, cause they couldn't keep the notes, um, on like in the cloud, like mm-hmm. we do now. Um, so I, I find it really, really interesting that we've taken that and we've, uh, um, pushed it into the 21st century, um, on these kind of reservation systems. So, um, I mean, it's pivotal. It's probably, um, the most important, like if it's down, we're down. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm curious. So, uh, a, a big part of uh, a, a tool like reserve is that manual entry of these notes that you're taking of little uh, conversations you've had preferences they've had. What about, are, do you have any tools that are automating uh, this data or collecting information, drawing information from the POS? And does that integrate, integrate with reserve like I think I remember Kevin saying you guys use breadcrumb. Does that play well with reserve? So we do use breadcrumb. Um, they don't talk to each other right now. Uh, what we've been trying to do is um, uh, employ the servers to give us reverse notes, basically. So give us notes back from our guests. And um, it's definitely something we do a better job at. I have to admit to you, it's like um, a lot of times at the end of the night, right? You're, you're exhausted. Yeah. And the last thing you want to do is sit down and write a bunch of notes. Um, but it's definitely going to be a big push for us, especially as we're heading into our busier season and seeing more and more repeat regulars, um, just getting as much information as we can 
out of our heads and into that system is going to be super important. Uh, but right now, the breadcrumb and the reserve do not speak to each other. Oh, all right. Just curious about that. Awesome. Thanks for clarifying. No worries. Yeah. Um, all right. With all the knowledge you have now over the past, uh, would say, what, 12 years you've been doing this, if you could go back in time uh, and give yourself one piece of advice, what would it be? I would probably have gotten started earlier and done more, um, and especially in terms of beverage. Um, I wasn't late to the game with it, but um, just as an example, like I took a wine course at Boston University and just mailed it in. Uh, I was, you know, I was 20 at the time and um, I wasn't tasting any of the wines and um, it was all in different languages, which was not interesting to me at the time. Um, and I didn't utilize it for all it could have been. Um, and I would be better off now had I really tried to absorb more of the uh, information that they were giving me at that time. But in terms of my professional life, I mean, I, I I just wish that I had um, utilized my time in school, maybe took on more jobs while I was in school, just so um, coming out of school, I could have, you know, maybe been a server right away or whatever it might have been, Mm -hmm. um, just to excel things forward a little bit more. I do want to disclose with you, I am 27. So, um, yeah, I think I might be a little bit younger than you're forecasting. That's awesome. I was guessing... 29. I don't know why. I think it's because you graduated high school in 2000 or you went to college in 2007. So I assumed yeah. a, like no, a no years worries. later. Oh, that is impressive, man. You've done a lot and it's, uh, it's really great to see somebody who just uh, knows from such an early stage and gets, I mean, you, you, you did well, man. Uh, were you, I don't know why you're not Thank on you Forbes, Forbes 30 under 30. I got to send them a, a letter or a note or something. <laughs> Uh, no, we'll, we'll, we'll see about that. Yeah. All right. But, uh, you still no, got a couple and, years, man. You still got a couple years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, what is one question you think, uh, should be added to this interview that would provide more value? Um, golly, I, I'd probably say, um, what is one thing that you change about, uh, the restaurant industry? What's one um, thing you change what is, about the restaurant industry? Yeah, just at large. Like I know you talked about like what are our <laughs> challenges right now, and I, that's kind of what you're what you're saying. But like um, I think, or what is one thing that you change uh, about your career? I know that's like talking about your failures as well, but I don't know. I think uh, not to live without re- regret, but um, maybe one thing you change about the, the restaurant industry. But truthfully, man, I you've just, done a really great job. This, this <laughs> is a well done much. show. I appreciate. I, but you- I, I hard pressed to find something. I'm hard pressed to find something that you should add to this. It's uh, it's really well done. Oh man, I really do appreciate it. But you you, you know you're not going to get off on you, not answering that question, right? You, you got to answer what <laughs> what's one thing you change about the industry. <laughs> um, you know the the right now the the um the pay discrepancy between front and back houses mm. is really an issue, and um, it's something that is not a quick fix. It is increasingly harder to make a profitable business as a restaurant. Um, labor and minimum wage is going up, which in some ways is awesome. Like I want, you know, if I had it my way, everybody's making tons of money and we'd all ride off into the sunset. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not the reality of things, you know. I, yeah, um, it's tough. And I think that the the tip model and and um, I just, I'm not sure how sustainable all of it's going to be. And part of the issues that we have in terms of labor, 
um, for back of house is just the discrepancy between um, pay. Uh, and it's uh, it's not a sexy part of the industry, yeah. but it is something that the conversation is starting already. And um, you know, it's I, definitely something I'd like to see change. I've got to add on to this just because uh, I feel like a big problem with our industry is the, warp, the warped uh the warped sense of what the value of food done right costs uh, because for so right. long we just, you know, bastardize food with processing it and cutting corners, get food out cheap. Uh, and you're seeing that in the, like the franchises, the corporations did it uh, to try to increase those, those margins and, you know, uh, food done right, food done traditionally, food done with culture and love isn't cheap. And I feel like the general public just doesn't understand and fully appreciate what food done right costs. Uh, and I think we'll, we'll come with education and there's tons of hope because there's tons of inf- like, look at cooked the documentaries by Michael Pollan in the omnivores dilemma and all these resources and, and that are so right. easily consumable today with Netflix. And we, we, there's so many multiple channels like of connecting with the general public to educate them on what food done right is. So there is hope, man. I really think there is. But, uh, I totally agree with you. I I I, I do agree with you about like kind of the warped um, sense of value and yeah. or non-value that guests feel like they're getting. Um, and I think at SRV, just to kind of speak um, in our little bubble there, we do a really nice job of of offering value. It's something we talk a lot about in our behind-the-scenes meetings. Um, but even still, you know, it's a uh, it's a perception thing, and um, I totally get it. I understand that um, everyone is always looking for the best product at the lowest price. That's just the nature of our being. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, it's it's definitely a, a challenge at times. So, hang in there, man. We're gonna we're making strides. I really do think the industry is making strides, and the the, the future definitely. is bright and promising. So, we gotta call somebody yep. out, Ted. Who is one person you admire in this industry and just think would be a great guest mentor like you've been for us today? Well, you know, I think um, a guy that was actually an original mentor of mine, he was my original general manager at um, at Montan. Uh, he's worked at some of the best fine dining restaurants in the city um, and is now the director of operations for the Alpine Group, um, which is an awesome group based out of Somerville, right where I live. Uh, they do um, Painted Burrow, um and Posto over here, you're, uh, as well as Rosebud. You're killing me with the, the suspense, man. You're killing me with suspense. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> his is... name's Alec. Sorry, I should have. I should have led with his name. His name's Alec <laughs> Rivera. Awesome. Um, and he's he's in, he's a really he's a wealth of knowledge, whether it comes to hospitality, um, beverage knowledge, food knowledge. He's just he's one of those guys who, who's. Uh, he's got a lot to offer. So awesome. um, he'd probably be my uh, my next pick. Was that Alex or Alec? Alec with a with a C A L E C. Alec, look out! I'm coming after you, man. I would love to get you on the show and let the folks at home know, Ted, if they want to come join your team, if they're in the Boston area, if they want to come uh, grow and evolve as a professional under you. How can we connect? Um, Ted at srvboston.com is is a really way to do it. If you're just looking for a general general inquiry as well, front end backer house info at srvboston is always a nice one. Um, and just to kind of reiterate, I know that you. You said it, but uh, you said work under me, but it's uh, it's a collaborative thing, so working alongside. I love it, man. I love it. I really do. You were great. Thank you so much uh, for taking the time to join us today and to, to help us learn what makes you so awesome, uh, what makes SRV so incredible. Uh, you guys are killing it. There's no questioning. Ted, you are unstoppable. Thank you very much. You as well. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Cheers.
Okay, so for me, the two big takeaways in today's episode, uh, I feel like they're just clear as day, is that beautiful things can happen when you take the time to really develop impactful, meaningful, caring relationships with your guests uh, and your team, uh, more specifically, your team, to take that time to listen to them, to get to know them, to find out where they shine, and to find out where they belong and to, to encourage the, those uh, skills to, you know, just glow and bloom. And, uh, but you'll never know about these potential opportunities to get the most and to give the most to your team if you don't take the time to listen to them. A huge lesson there. And also, I, f- I feel like just taking that time to uh, become a person of value. And the best way to become a person of value is to find out yourself, to figure out what your own strengths are, to to find out where you shine. And when you identify that ability, uh, sharpen the edge, get really good at it. Be somebody who's just the man to go to, uh, to do whatever it is that you do. For Ted, it was his ability to uh, just develop those relationships with his staff and, and with his, his guests and to really grow and make beautiful relationships happen. And uh, that is an amazing asset, an amazing skill to have if you're a front of a house, a general manager type of person. And uh, great stuff in today's episode. I had a blast talking to you, Ted. Like always, guys, don't forget, please shoot me an email, eric at restaurantunstoppable.com. If you can think of somebody who would make a great guest mentor on the show like Ted made for us today, or shoot me a Facebook message. Uh, just head over to restaurant or sorry, head over to facebook.com slash restaurant unstoppable. Shoot me a message. I love connecting with people on Facebook. And then lastly, uh, you know, just do that 15 minute one-on-one chat with me. Uh, I love talking to my listeners. I love hearing uh, about your stories and about ways uh, I can help you. If you tell me your problems, if you tell me your challenges, I will get somebody on the show who is good at whatever you're struggling with. I, I That is my promise to you. I am here to serve you, but you have to let me know where the pain is so I can uh, find the right person to help us grow together. And like always, those five-star reviews, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, we have 72 reviews so far. Uh, they're all amazing. Uh, thank you guys so much for taking the time, if you have left those reviews, uh, to share your thoughts and to just give that rating. It, it helps about, you know validate what I'm doing here. Uh, so grateful for those. That's all I have today, guys. Until next time, peace out.